Mac Power Users, episode 227, Looking at Home Screens with Katie and David. Hello, everyone. It's David Sparks, along with my pal, Katie Floyd. How are you, Katie Floyd? I'm well, David. How are you? I can't complain. I'm uh, kind of excited about talking about my home screen. You know, I, I do that at my website a little bit. People send in pictures of their home screens. and It's been a and, thing you've done for years now over at Max Park. You have this whole series of home screen posts. Yeah, Tell me about your home of, screen. It's a lot of fun. And, and I get a lot of interesting responses. And um, I'm always looking for new people to put out there. And it's it's just really great. But I don't put my home screen out there much. And and what really inspired me to do the show was a recent episode of Connected with um, Federico and the gang over there at um, at Mike's network. And yeah, that would be with- Federico and Mike and Steven. Yeah, it was, uh, but I forget what episode it was. I was just trying to look it up while talking, which is probably not a good idea. I'll put a link but, in the show notes. But but either way, they did a show on their home screens. I said, you know what? I think that would be fun. Katie Floyd and I should do that too. So we're we're definitely copying from Connected. So yeah, but it, but guys. in in fairness, they they were kind of infringing on our turf, you know. And they said yeah. so in that episode. Oh, did they said they? I didn't yeah, hear they them. said we're getting into Mac Power users turf. And I was listening to that, and I was going, Err. oh, really? Yeah. Well. I didn't growl. I thought it was a good idea. No, I was I was growling. Okay, Um, so I thought it would be fun. So both of us have iPhones and iPads, and I've been using it since day one. I believe you are a generation one iPhone owner as well. I am, though not day one though, because I was still in contract and I could not justify spending like at that time it was well over a thousand dollars to number one break my contract, number two buy an iPhone. So. Yeah, I was. I, I was completely. I waited in line. I was there the first day. It was great. I know. I watched it on TV and thought, "Oh, should have been me. Should have been me." I. You know what? It's funny because I. Um. I had a Palm Pilot at the time, and I had totally like tricked it out to look like an iPhone before there was such a thing as an iPhone. Because like at the time, you could download. Remember the old wavy? I think we were. I think that was around Tiger. I think it was around ten point four, ten point three. But they had the wavy line. Um, screen on the Mac. You remember it was blue with the like the lines carved into yeah, it. It was, it was early. a very popular very wallpaper. Yeah. And they had that on the Palm Pilot. And then they had a thing where you could switch the icons to look like Mac icons. And the menu bar items use the typography of the Mac. I, I had turned my Palm Pilot into an iPhone and it was a complete hack. It nothing, you know, it made everything slower. And, um, you know, nothing really worked right, but I was happy because it looked like a Mac. So you can, you can just assume how happy I was. And and just the idea in general of, of Apple making a phone for me was such a great idea because for so many years I had tried to make other manufacturers phones work with computers. And for the people out there that, that weren't doing that, it was really hard. I mean, now we with cloud sync and stuff, we kind of take it all for granted that things are just going to work. But back in the day where the only way to get information from your computer to your mobile device was to plug it into your computer, and there were different data formats and manufacturers and software protocols, it, it actually was a huge waste of time trying to get things to sync. Do you remember iSync? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I was so happy to have it too, and it was just horrible. Yeah, yeah. and um, yeah. Well, we we could kind of go down that 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 rabbit hole for a long time, but the uh, <laughs> I just even the apps on the old Palm Pilot they were very expensive and barely barely functional. But it's all good. So I was in line the first day. I've been using an iPhone for a long time, and 
And I'm I'm actually one of those people that does curate my home screen. I know some people just throw stuff up there. I, I try to do something with it. And I know you do as well. So why don't we just jump right into it? Well, before we jump into the home screen, let's talk a little bit about the philosophy of maybe curating your home screen a little bit. Because I know uh, I was surprised, honestly, when you sent me your home screen, because there's this whole thought of, do you have an empty space on your home screen? And then do you do you kind of hack it so that that empty space, normally if you're going to have an empty space, the empty space is at the bottom. And I know you used to do that. And I was surprised you don't anymore. Yeah, my, my home screen is always in motion. Things okay. are coming and going at all times. Uh, there was a period where I had a, an empty bottom row, and I thought I was really, you know, clever because I had a bottom row. And and need... what's the theory behind that? Why do you? Ha- I, I would never think of why would you have the empty bottom row just well, case, just unless I, you didn't have enough stuff to go there. Yeah, I guess the idea would be no. These are just the apps I really need, and I'm not going to clutter it up with apps I don't really need. But then I found myself still digging for apps all the time, so I'm like, why aren't you using the bottom row? Uh, another theory is if you leave the bottom row empty, it makes it easier to swipe the screen because you can grab onto it. But I've never really had a problem with that. So I don't think that's really a good reason. Uh, so I filled the bottom row. Okay. And then how do you work your way to your home screen? Because now that we've got the iPhone 6, and I would imagine more so when you had for a couple of weeks the iPhone 6 Plus, those those top corners can be difficult to reach sometimes. I know yep. I rearranged my home screen when I got the iPhone 6, and I, I used to have my most important things, you know, my spaces moved. In fact, my top row moved to my second to bottom row. Yeah, so a lot of people are making the point that if you can't reach the top row easily with your thumb, your key apps that used to just naturally be at the top should be at the bottom. And that makes sense. I, I haven't really gone there yet because on the iPad, I keep the top apps on the top row and on the phone as well. I don't have that much trouble reaching the top. Maybe I have hmm. larger than normal hands. I don't know. I can do an octave stretch on the piano pretty easily. I don't know if that helps. But the... um. Uh, so I, so I've just kind of left them where they are, but I think that's a good idea. If you're having trouble reaching your most common apps to move them to the bottom row instead of the top. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you, I find that that, that topmost row can be a little bit of a reach for me. I've got to do a little bit of a shuffle and I've, I've kept the camera in the very topmost right, which I'm debating about moving, but I don't because there's still the quick shortcut at the bottom for the camera. Yeah. See, I don't even have the camera on my home screen because I, I've just got so used to just flipping up from the bottom and tapping the camera icon. Yeah. And and also, usually when I, I really need the camera is when the phone is turned off because, you know, the kids are doing something silly and I want to take a picture, pull my phone out of my pocket, and then I um, and then as soon as you tap the button, the camera icon is right there. So I found that keeping the camera icon on the home screen wasn't really necessary. All right. Hey, what about before we get into it? What about cases? Where because you you kind of went back and forth when you get your new phone on cases. Yeah, I I haven't used a case on my phone for years, and I really didn't want to use a case with the iPhone six, and I struggled with it because I was having trouble holding the iPhone six. In fact, I tell you, if if you gave me the option to go back to a four inch instead of a four point seven inch phone today, I might. <laughs> I know, um, but I might just because that the iPhone five was so comfortable for me, um, and, and the six. Although I, I, in many ways, I like the bigger screen. It's 
it's still not as comfortable to hold. But I was really worried about the iPhone 6 from a drop perspective because I am shuffling around in my hand a little more to be able to stretch across and reach all of the icons. And I have come very close to dropping it a few times. And so I finally decided that I had to put a case on this, not so much from a protection standpoint, but just to give you a little extra grip. And so I went with the Apple leather case for a couple of reasons. Uh, one is just because I think it's a very classy case. Uh, two is it's it's pretty minimalistic. And, um, you know, three, it, it has good port access on the bottom. So it really doesn't, you know, impede any of my access to any of my ports. And, you know, also it's just the Apple case. So it's got that nice Apple logo on the back. I am, I'm like you, I have never put cases on my phones and... And I've never really had a big problem with it. Of course, now I'll drop it since we finished the show. And uh, but the iPhone six is is rather large, and I, I really haven't felt super motivated to get a case for it. However, I just did buy one of those twelve South Surface pads. Have you seen those? Those are the ones that have um, spaces for like three cards. Two cards. Two yeah. cards. Okay. It's it's a um. Basically, it's a leather folio, and it's got an adhesive on the back of it, so it sticks to the back of your phone. But if you peel it off, it doesn't leave any residue, so it's nice that way. And it just folds over the top, and it's got two slots for cards. And really, all you can put in it is two cards and maybe like a $20 bill. It doesn't – you can't, like, stuff it full like a wallet. But I um, I carry a very thin wallet to begin with. I'm not a guy that carries, like, a George Costanza wallet. So – I thought, you know, maybe I, if I got this, I could get rid of my wallet. And so I've been trying it for a week now. And so far, I'm okay with it. But I don't like having the, the cover on it when I want to take pictures and stuff. So I'm I'm not sure where I'm at on it. But I'm, I'm trying a case for the first time. So I guess that tells you something. Well, how has it been having two cards replace your entire wallet? Well, before I had three cards in my wallet. I mean, I had a driver's license, my bank card, and a credit card. And I generally, I mean, okay, we're going to just slowly hit the financial management show <laughs> somehow. <laughs> but uh, generally the way I, I, I kind of manage it is I, I just, I get points and stuff on my credit card. So I just buy stuff with the credit card and then I pay it off every month. That's my kind of how I roll. And so I don't really need the bank card every day, except when I need to go to the bank. And before I had a very, very thin leather wallet from uh, Saddleback Leather. And so I've still got that. And the days I'm going to go to the bank, I'll put that in my pocket. But generally, I walk around with my driver's license, my credit card, and my phone. And and I do put a couple 20s in there. And that's about as much as I can get away with with this uh, little 12 South thing. So I don't know if it'll stand the test of time or not, but I'm trying one. So here I am with a case. I got the red one. I thought it'd be cool with the red one. Then my, my uh, college kid told me, oh, you should have got the black one, Dad. Yeah, because you've, got a, weird you've got a black phone, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But that's kind of cool. Uh, so I have a case. We'll see how long that lasts. But I do like, I really like, I'm really into not carrying a lot of stuff, you know. And um, uh, so being able to carry one phone with a little sleeve thing on top of it and not a wallet is better than a phone and a wallet. Yeah, I think that's, I, I looked at that Surface Pad and I think it could work for me. Mm-mm. I think I need one more credit card slot, though, because like you, I primarily carry uh, my driver's license, my debit card, and a credit card. And I kind of do the opposite. I kind of put everything that I can on my debit card, except for when I'm not comfortable using my debit card. And then I'll I'll swipe my credit card or give my credit card to somebody. 
Um, and everything else I think I could get away with. Uh, I, I think I did a blog post on this, keeping less cards in my wallet and putting them in one password, because how many times do you actually need the card itself versus just the information on the card? You know, if I need to call AAA, in fact, AAA didn't even send me a physical card this year. They just sent me you know, the actual, here's a digital card. And if you want, you can print it out and stick it in your wallet. Yeah, I do all that stuff. And in one password, I take pictures of them now. So it's, it's even better. Yeah. Um, okay. So uh, we talked about cases. I'm trying one. Katie is, uh, you're, you're sold on your case, right? I mean, it's not coming off. I don't think so. I, I really like it. Uh, and if, if maybe I'll look at the surface pad. I like, yeah, I, I really like the idea because that's what I carry with me is sometimes I carry a purse, sometimes I don't. But when I don't carry a purse typically on the weekends when I'm just out and about, and that's what I carry with me is a very small wallet, my keys and my iPhone. The Surface Pad will protect the screen and the back of your phone. It will not protect it on a drop. Like if you drop it on a corner, there's no protection. So, But does it add a little extra grip? Because that's really what I needed. Oh, it definitely adds grip. Yeah. But I mean, it's like having used the phone without the case, it's, it adds almost too much because you've got to fold it back and, you know, it's not. There, there are some other credit card cases that, um, I know David Hamilton likes one. I think it's from, I'd, I'd have to look for it, but that will put credit cards along the back. That's just basically like a sleeve type case that will, that the credit cards go in the back of the case. So it doesn't yeah, and, have the fold over piece. And 12 South also makes one called the book book, which is thicker. Right. And that's kind of cool, too, because it looks like a little book. And uh, they don't make that for the iPhone 6 yet. It's a little more expensive. I'm sure that'll probably come out at some point. But I, I like the skinny. And that one definitely provides more protection if you drop it. But it's just more bulk. And these iPhone 6s and 6 Pluses are already pretty big. So we'll yeah. see. Now, you have the invisible case on your iPhone as well, correct? Yes, yes. Yeah. And by that, you mean the, the drop warranty. The Apple Care Plus, correct? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I debate about it every year, and I did not get it on my iPad, but I, I still get it on my iPhones because I feel yeah, like I those are more at risk of dropping. I don't think twice about it on the iPhone because, uh, you know, the way everything works in my family, and the listeners are tired of hearing this, but we, we cycle the phones down. I've, I, knock on wood, have never dropped my phone and needed to use it, but my daughter, who gets the, this one next year, will drop it. I mean, she, she will drop it. Yep. So <laughs> gonna need it. it'll pay for itself. Uh, All right. Well, maybe let's start um, with the apps on our home screen that we have in common because there aren't that many of them. Yeah, that that kind of surprised me. But. Yeah. Um, well, in the dock, you and I both have uh, drafts and OmniFocus in our dock. Yeah. Well, the, and, and we share those, we share some other apps that are in the docs too, but in the doc, actually, we've, we've chosen to put both of those there. Now you put email in your doc. I, I took email in the doc a long time ago, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have some discussion about email when we get to there and I have launch center pro in there. And this is a app that I'm always going back and forth with, but you know, I think I'm getting ahead. I guess we wanted to talk about the ones we have in common, don't we? Right. You see the little orange dot next to drafts for me? I'm in the beta. I know. It makes me feel special. You're so exciting. But the uh but it's it's this great app to keep in the dock. So tell me how you used well, let me t- actually let me tell you how I use drafts because I don't want you to overlap because I think you use drafts in more expansive ways than I do. So I'll tell you how I use drafts and then you can expand upon that. Uh, and I basically use drafts as a scratch pad. If I don't quite know what I'm going to do with something or if I want to take a quick note and I'm not quite sure where I'm going to do with it, 
I use drafts as kind of the equivalent of having a notepad in my wallet or the equivalent of having an index card. I I open it, I take notes, I'll I'll dictate in there quite a bit and if sometimes I'll rattle off, you know, three things that I need to get from the grocery store that just pop in my mind. Sometimes I'll rattle off a part of an email to somebody. Sometimes I'll rattle off a series of tasks that come to mind. It's it's just a a quick mind dump of of things that I need to do. Just it's scratch paper is basically what drafts has become to me. And then that little icon will light up saying, you've got this many things that you haven't processed yet. And at the when I have a few minutes, I'll go in and say, okay, well, this is what I need to do with them. I'll send this to Evernote, or I'll send this to OmniFocus because these are really tasks, or I'll send this to the reminders list because these are things I need to pick up at the grocery store. I really haven't gotten, and this is where I'm hoping you'll pick up and take it from me, I haven't gotten uh, as far as I would like into really creating workflows within in drafts. Well, it, it is a, um, it's it's fantastic for that job. Uh, one of the things that, that makes drafts really, I think, the best in this class is, uh, you know, it was, Greg was very early to the game. He's the one that came up with the idea, hey, I've got text, I want to quickly capture it and do something with it. So, the two things the app needs to do is number one, quickly capture tasks. And it does that. It's great the way it does it. You just tap the icon and then you have a blinking cursor. And I think it's it sounds silly, but it's absolutely true that like I have other apps I write in. In fact, I've got other apps I write in on my home screen. But uh, any app that requires me to open it, create a new file, and I have to go through like a series of steps before I can start writing is not going to replace that pad of paper in my pocket. You know, and drafts comes the closest because there's no friction. You tap the drafts icon and you start um, dictating into it or you start typing into it and you're good to go. So drafts is really good at that. There's a setting in there that I recommend you check out. And it, it allows you to say, make a new draft, you know, every time I open it immediately. So like if I make a quick text and then I close it and open it, there's another blank screen. Or you can have it say delay like five minutes. So if I start writing a little something and then I leave the app and go to um, Safari to grab a link or something. I go back. It'll still open up the last draft. So you can you can tailor that to how you use the application. So that's the first trick. Uh, but, you know, the, like Katie said, there's really nothing to getting text in there. You type it or you dictate it. You know, it's that's the way it works. Um, but then the next step is act, acting upon it. And like Katie said, you can do things like easily save it to the clipboard or you can use it to create an email. And that's all great. Like, you know, the idea of making an email without opening the email app is, is kind of a good idea. Because when you open email, how often have you opened the email app to like send off an important note or something you wanted to get out? And then all of a sudden you see two or three emails that drag your attention away and you completely get diverted and you don't don't actually write the email you're supposed to write. Maybe I'm the only one, but that happens to me quite often. Anyway, um, so you can write an email drafts and just send it off. But these workflows allow you to do even more. Uh, here's a really simple one. I have, um, uh, sometimes I send texts to my sisters. You know, we, we send each other goofy texts all day. You know, we grow up together. We like to keep in touch. And I, I don't always have, um, or don't have easily find the message thread in messages. Because messages really isn't that good at finding the thread you know, like if you have an ongoing thread. So in drafts, I have an action where I can just open drafts, dictate a funny thing to my sisters, press a button, and it sends a, that text message off to those people only. 
And I've got similar ones set up for my family. And living in Southern California, I've always thought of that kind of like an earthquake plan. Um, you know, because whenever we have earthquakes, the phone lines go down very quickly. But texts usually get out, at least for a longer period of time than phones do, because everybody floods the network. And texts don't use up much. So I've got this text um, I've got this text group in drafts that's like my key family members, my immediate family. And if there was a earthquake, I could open drafts and say, I'm okay, I'm at work, you know, or whatever I need to say and press one button and it would just fire that off to everybody. So there's one use for do, drafts. Do you call it the, the earthquake workflow? No, I, I call it a big family, you know, and I don't have much need for it. I don't use it very often, but I like having it there. And I could very quickly put it together and send a text off. Uh, the other thing is like Evernote, which I've been playing with. You know, I've got this ongoing thing, which I've talked about too much on the show. Uh, but I've got this ongoing thing about text files and what to do with them. And uh, if anybody from, you know, Vesper is listening, please, please, please get your app, app done for the Mac. Um, so anyway, uh, what am I going to do with text? And one of the things I've been testing is Evernote. And I find writing text in Evernote on iOS to be an unsatisfactory experience. I would um, agree with I, that. I mean, just, I don't like the way the keyboard works. I don't like the way they uh, display the text. I don't like the lack of control over the, t- I mean, there's just a lot of stuff I don't like about it, but I, I do want to take notes for like kind of ongoing log things that I keep in Evernote. I've got one for like when I go to the doctor and I always take a little note, what was said and what I need to know and blah, blah, blah. So I've got a, um, an action in drafts that will, I can just record all that stuff in drafts and push a button and it'll drop it in that note in Evernote. So that's another thing. I mean, whatever you do with text, uh, saving tasks to OmniFocus, um, you can go in OmniFocus and you can open a new task or you can do it in drafts. And if you're, if you're working through drafts at the time, you might as well just do it there. It, it works just fine to save it to OmniFocus. Um, Putting something larger into Byword is another. I mean, I've, I've got a lot. Um, in fact, I should probably do a post someday. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to make this whole show about drafts because we've talked about it quite a bit on the show in the past. But there's a there's a lot of options you can have with drafts. But the, the underlying principle of the application is capture some text and do something really cool with it. And drafts just does that. And they keep making it better. It's a, you know, if you're into Dropbox, they've got really great Dropbox support. If you're into Evernote, they've got that. They've got iCloud in the works. They've, you know, and they've got all these custom um, URL schemes that can send stuff off to other applications. So I, I just find it a great entry port for anything that involves text. Okay. The other app that we, yeah. Go ahead. And you thought this was going to be a short show. Yeah, no, sorry. I just realized <laughs> I just, just talked a long time. Sorry, everybody. Uh, the other app that we have in common in our doc is OmniFocus. And we've yeah. talked extensively about OmniFocus. But what do you, uh, OmniFocus on the iPhone, I don't, I open it during the day quite a bit to check things off, although not as much now because we'll we'll talk about what we've got in our Today View because it's easy to check things off in, in the Today View. But I do like having it in my dock because I can quickly get in there, especially if I'm on the go, see what I've got nearby, see what I've got going on in various projects. I really like that the forecast view is available right on the home screen. So I can, you know, if I'm meeting with someone, they can say, oh, well, how does your week look or what have you got going on later in the week? And I can say, hmm, well, let me see what I've got going on later in the week because I can look at the forecast view and and see what's going on. Um, But I'm actually using OmniFocus quite a bit on, on iOS since the redesign, um, 
probably to the exclusion some of the iPad app, although I do love using it on the iPad because the iOS app, the iPhone app is so good. Yeah, I've got OmniFocus in my dock on the iPad and the iPhone, and I am just in that app constantly. I talked how I am. My list is always very small, and one of the things I'm doing is constantly kind of juggling and moving things around as I go through the day. So I'm just in that app all the time. When when OmniFocus first came out for the iPhone, it was great as a as a way to kind of have a remote list. It was it was, it was it felt like a satellite, and the mothership was the Mac app. And over the years, the um the 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 iOS app has just got so much more powerful and so much easier to use that I don't think that's really true anymore. I mean, there's certainly some things that are easier on the Mac like processing multiple tasks at once is easier on the Mac, but you can completely run your, your whole task system off iOS OmniFocus. So I, I, that put, and that puts me in it more often because I know there's things I can do that before I couldn't. All right. Now let's, uh, let's move on. I want to stay in your dock. And although it's not in my dock, it's another app that we both have in common and that's Fantastical. Uh, I love Fantastical and it's my primary, um, a calendaring application, although I do not keep it in my dock. What about Fantastical makes it dock worthy for you? Because I'm always working with my calendar. I, I think that the contrast between our two docks is you've got an email in your dock and I've got a calendar app in my dock. And I can see the case for either one of those. I mean, if you do a lot of email stuff and you always want it there, that makes sense. I, For me, I'm always just managing my calendar and people want to meet with me or Katie Floyd wants to schedule a show or whatever. I, I just need to have my calendar available and I've got used to putting it in my dock. The other thing I do that you don't is I, I activate the little badge that puts on the current date. So, you know, well, I, I guess I, maybe that's a, a nerd thing, but I know none of us really like to have a lot of badges on our it, it bothers me the the 20 when you not so much early in the month but as you get later in the month the badge bothers me yeah so you see mine and it said we're recording it says, this on the 23rd it says 23 <laughs> and i'm just like does he have 23 things he's got to do today does he have 23 appointments on his calendar oh no today's the 23rd Oof, that freaks me out yeah so but i do want to know the current date and sometimes i'm capable of forgetting do you, it yeah so. i was gonna say is that a is that a common problem for you that you don't well, know what I mean, day it is yeah, sometimes. <laughs> I mean, and that's one of the advantages of the calendar is the uh, the, the built-in calendar app is, you know, the, there's certain ways that Apple kind of cheats with the native apps, and that's going to come out a few times in the show. But with the native calendar app, it puts the date right on the icon. It looks great. You don't have to do a silly badge. But uh, I, I like the way Fantastical displays the data. Um, the It's funny because on the... Um, on the Mac, I use BusyCal as my primary calendar application, but I use Fantastical to quickly capture ta- um, calendar items. Right. I do do as well. But then on the iPhone and the iPad, the advantage of Fantastical for me is not really so much the natural text parser, which is great, but I just like the way that they laid it out. I just like the way it displays the data. It has the running list. I mean, it's, it just feels more natural to me. So that's why I use it. And Fantastical got an update recently, and so it can now be in your Today View. And I think you and I both have Fantastical in the Today View. And you can pull down in the, to see the Today View, and it will show you a – you can show a, an entire month view of your calendar, which initially I was like, hmm, I'm not sure I want to see an entire month in my calendar 
because that, number one, it takes up a lot of space. But what you can do from that is you can tap on a day. So if I wanted to tap on, you know, let's say Thursday, December 4th, if I tap and hold on that day, all of a sudden it opens up the day in Fantastical and begins uh, a new event with that day pre-populated. Yeah, That's pretty cool. It, it is really great. And because I am constantly setting dates, I mean, sometimes I'm in front of a judge and he wants to set a date. I want to be able to get to it very quickly. So having it notification centers is a big benefit. Right. And I, I actually need the month view in that case. And there's some other, um, you know, notification center apps that, that give you a month, but because I already like fantastic hell, I'm just using theirs. Yeah. We're going to talk about that notification center widgets in a minute yeah. or two minutes, maybe. <laughs> Uh, I think it's going to take us a little longer than that to get to get there at the at the rate that we're going. We'll go faster. <laughs> we will. We will. Um, uh, so other apps that that we have in common that we can probably breeze through pretty quickly. Um, you and I both use Safari, and we keep that on our home screen. Do you use any other web browsers? I, I installed Chrome at one point, but I just don't use it. Yeah, like you, I have Chrome installed, but I, I don't find any need to uh, use third-party browsers. Um, I really like the way iCloud syncs the the uh, the open pages across the devices, and I really, you know, I mean, Apple's browser ties into a lot of the great extensions and other stuff that they've added in recent years. So I use a Safari, and and I've always found Safari, mobile Safari, to be a, a really good web browser. Uh, now moving on to something that I keep in my dock that you have on your home screen, but is apparently not dock worthy for you is Overcast. Overcast has been my podcast app uh, of choice uh, since Marco released it. And I've tried pretty much all of the the podcast apps and they all have their pros and cons. I initially downloaded Overcast because I, I wanted to support our friend Marco, but I kept it because I really, really like it. I, I like some of this. I like the sync features. I like um, it's now available on the iPad, although I don't keep it on the iPad. I really like his smart speed and his smart effects technology because, and, and I know some of our podcasting friends have different opinions on this. I'll tell you, I personally don't care. I tend to listen to podcasts at a little faster than normal speed anyway, usually somewhere between one and a half to 1.8, depending on, on what the podcast is. And then with smart feet speed, there's certain podcasts in particular that it will bump it up even higher because it intelligently pulls some of the gaps out of those podcasts. And my, my time is not, uh, yeah, my time is a lot shorter now than it used to be. And my options were, and I already have to some degree thinned out quite a few of my podcasts that I listen to, but now I'm able to get through the podcasts that I really want to listen to a little bit faster. And that makes a huge difference for me. Yeah. You know, I've, I've played with that. I, I like the app because of the interface and I like the, the big buttons and it's just a really nicely laid out application for the, you know, the smart speed stuff. I, I've heard from some of our listeners that love it because we do have gaps on our show, especially when we have more than one guest and we're all trying not to step all over each other. I mean, we have one problem or the other, we either step on each other or we have gaps. So the smart speed stuff kind of solves that problem. Um, but the, uh, I find it a little jarring listening to podcasts at anything regular other than the speed they were recorded at. And I, you know, I'm okay if I listen to a few fewer podcasts because of that. 
Well, some people love it. Some people hate it. Some podcasters hate the idea of you listening to their show at anything less than the way in which it was recorded. And no, oh, I don't care. If you yeah, want to listen to me at three times, you could probably still get the data because I talk so slow sometimes. But the um, but just for me, like listening to a show where there's no gaps, it just feels weird to me, and I, I it, it takes me out of out of what they're saying. So I don't do it, but uh, I'll tell you something though. I have uh, gone back and forth with overcast. I, it is my favorite of the third party apps, but I went through a period uh, when I was uh, in the iOS eight beta period where I was really kind of liking the, the native podcast app. And I know that's kind of the whipping boy, but there's a lot to like about Apple's native podcast. It's come a long way since that first thing with the, you know, what was it? The reel to reel tapes and all the weird stuff they were doing at the beginning. They've, they've cleaned up the interface. It synchronizes across iTunes. And if you sit at your computer during the day and you want to listen to podcasts, which I sometimes do, you know, when I'm doing busy work at, at the office. I put a headphone on and listen to a podcast. Um, and then, you know, you've got the play and start buttons that work just fine because it's in iTunes. And then it syncs to the iPhone and the iPad. And one of the, this is another feature where Apple kind of cheats. I can say, you know, Hey Siri, play podcast, the Mac power users while I'm driving down the road. Oh my gosh. The email we're going to get now. You just did it. I just did it. I'm sorry. Uh, We're so sorry. We apologize. Please don't email. Or if you do, please email David. Yeah, you know what? I didn't even think, Katie. Uh, we really have to come up with something else instead of saying. I think "ahoy" words, telephone you know. is what you're supposed to say. That's that's what, well. That's what uh, another uh, Mike podcast, uh, Mike and Jason Snell, yeah. say. "Ahoy" telephone. I don't know. I, we might have to pay them license fees. I think those guys are pretty serious. So I'm not sure if we have to say that, but either way, uh, I can activate Siri and then I can say "play podcast." Mac power users and it'll just play it. I don't have to, you know, cause usually when a podcast ends and I'm driving down the road, I'm done. I can't start another one cause I'm driving. Uh, but using the iTunes, um, podcast app, it works. Okay. Anyway. So, but I, all that being said, the overcast interface, I like so much. And, uh, that's the one I'm using right now. Okay. Uh, also apps that, that we have in common. Uh, we both have maps, Apple maps on, on our home screens. Although I will tell you that I cheat and, and use Google maps when I'm from time to time, when I'm driving, just because Apple maps isn't great in my location. Yeah. The, I have not had that many problems with Apple maps and call me a fanboy or whatever. Uh, but there are a couple times that I've had Apple maps fail me. They've been kind of weird places and I would go to Google maps and in both cases, they, they failed me as well. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Uh, I'm sure that Google maps is probably better. <laughs> I mean, they've been doing it longer. They have the, um, what's the name of that service where they drive by and take pictures of every place. I know, um, they've got the cars, street, street cars or something like that. Street Google view cars. or something. Street, yeah. yeah. I can't believe I forgot the name of that, but either way. Um, uh, but I don't really find myself using it that often. And, and because once again, maps, Apple's maps integrates so much with everything else. I kind of like it. Like for instance, I often, before I go somewhere, we'll dial it up on the Maps app on the Mac. And then, are you familiar with this where you can just send it to your mm-hmm. iPhone? Right. Really helpful if you've never done it before. So if you're, you're going to go somewhere you're not familiar with, you you look it up on the Maps app on the Mac, and then there's a, the sharing button. And it says, you know, save to Sparky's iPhone. And you press the button, and it shows up as a notification. So then you get in your car, you can tap on it, it opens it up right in Maps, and you got directions, and you're good to go. 
Uh, we both also have the phone and messages app on our home screen, but not in the dock. They've both come out of the dock. Or I think phone was the only one that used to be in the dock by default, but it's come out. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it, it's called an iPhone, but I that's I don't do that many calls. Yeah, I I agree. And mainly when my messages pops up, I I'm now that notifi- you have interactive notifications, it. I don't have to go into my apps as much anymore because I can, I'm either answering a phone call or I'm, you know, responding to an interactive notification. So having those, those things quickly accessible isn't as necessary anymore. Uh, photos. We both have the photos app on our home screen. Got to show off pictures of the kids. Yeah. Those are, those are important. Uh, I, th- oh, oh I, I, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. You first. Well, I was going to move on to the music app, but did you have something you want to say about the photos app? Yeah. Let's talk about music because, um, I have a whole row devoted to audio. I noticed <laughs> that. <laughs> so uh, you've got the, um, I don't really understand the organization of your home screen. It it makes, it seems a little uh, chaotic to me. <laughs> like, you know, I, I try to have like themes. Like I, have I, I social, did. I noticed, I noticed you have a theme. Yeah. I have like social, I have the social row and it's got email and it's got dispatch and messages and tweet bot and basically in decreasing order of priority, you know, and, um, then I've got the music row and I've got music and I've got overcast, which is audio. And then I have beats and my Sonos controller, which is the only remote that, that gets out of the remote folder because I, I just use it so much. So, so, but you, you, Katie, you've got them all over, like you've got Tweetbot, which I would consider social at the bottom right. And then you've got like messages in the fourth row. You just got this, it's, it's anarchy. I don't know how you can deal with it. Well, I'll tell you now that you mentioned that, that's going to bother me, but I have them in pretty much in order of use and priority. So, and, and it goes from the bottom up. So the dock is obviously my most used. And then the second row from the bottom is my second most used row. Third road from the bottom is my, you know, it, so it goes up in priority of these are the apps that I use most. Yeah. Well, we with, with, the one, with the one exception of that being the camera, but it's up in the top corner because I can access it other ways. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, so, but music. So you just have the, the music app. Yeah. That's it. That's it. You're done. I'm done. I, I tried out, I did a trial of Beats. They had a thing through AT&T where we got the entire family in for 15 bucks. And so we pay 15 bucks a month to Apple. (laughs) It wasn't Apple when I signed up for it, but, and, um, but all four of us can have unlimited use of beats and we are really kind of getting into streaming. I mean, it's, it's pretty nice. And if you've got Sonos and I'm over being guilty about spending all this money on Sonos because I've had it over a year now and we use it so often. Um, But the, uh, if you've got Sonos, it, plugs right into beats so you can open the sonos app then access your beats account and just you know like just the other night i wanted to listen to the charlie brown christmas stuff so just push a couple buttons and i was off to the races i don't listen to that i mean i i'm still a little bit older school i guess i i like owning my music i haven't gotten into any of the music subscription services i'm a little nervous to try to get into one because i I really don't want another subscription service in my life yeah, I'm, I know. I'm afraid if I start, then, oh, well, here we go. Now there's a, now there's another subscription service that I'm using. So yeah. I'm, I'm pretty happy. I've, I've got, you know, several thousand songs in, in my music that sync up. And although I will tell you, I think I'm not going to renew my iTunes match subscription. I'm just so fed up with iTunes. Oh, really? Yeah. It's just, 
over it. Well, we, we really like music at our house and we all have differing tastes. My, my daughter does classical voice, so she's got a bunch of opera and I've got a bunch of jazz and, you know, buzzcocks and all kinds of stuff when I was growing up. And Katie, um, um, uh, my daughter has, a, you know, her own taste. So having this works great. I mean, when you do the math, I'm spending $180 a year for this. You could buy a lot of music for $180. Mm-hmm, and, um, but I'm also finding that I'm discovering a lot of music that I didn't know existed or I'd forgot existed. And I'm really enjoying that. And that's leading to me buying some of these tracks to keep, you know, in my library as well. So I just spend more money on music than you do. I think. I think you do. Yeah. So I think that about covers all of the apps that we have in common, with the exception of email, which I am prepared to receive my lecture now. What lecture? About, I, I keep the mail app in my dock. I don't care. I you mean, do I not. Like, no. I, like I said, you know, um, I keep a calendar, you keep an email. They're both kind of productivity related right. and whatever works. I I strangely have two email apps that I use every day. And, that, and you keep them something. side by side. How weird is that? Yeah, that's something I thought I would. Well, you know, it's it's on my theme. You know, that's kind of that row. It's on your communication row. I, I get yeah. the theme, yeah. But the um, I really like Dispatch a lot, but it, I don't like it enough to replace Apple Mail. So I'm using the both. Oh, and 1Password was the other app that we all had in common, of course. Yeah. And that's interesting because we both keep it right next to Safari. That's the one that, you know, made some sense that you would put it next to Safari. Right. Well, and it's also kept on my bottommost row because it's one of the most frequently used. Yeah. Boy, don't you love that um, that um, Touch ID with one it's, password? Yeah, it's great. Such a game changer. Yeah. All right. So now that we've covered all the apps that we have in common, uh, things I think are about to get interesting. But before they do, let's take a quick moment. And I do want to talk about uh, one of our sponsors, our, our exclusive sponsor for this episode. Uh, and that is our pals over at Smile. And I want to talk a little bit about PDF Pen for the Mac because PDF Pen is my default PDF viewing and editing application for the Mac because I can do pretty much everything that I need that's associated with a PDF in PDF pen. And so a little bit about my PDF workflow, you know, lawyers and a lot of professions, we do a lot of stuff with PDFs. People send us things in PDFs. Um, Sometimes we need to tweak them. Sometimes we need to sign things with them. uh, Sometimes we need to edit them. And you can do all of that with PDF pen. Uh, Whether you want to take a PDF that somebody has sent you and you want to OCR it so that you can select the text or maybe copy and paste the text into something else, you can do that with PDF pen. It does a great job. And as David is so fond of saying it, it makes a very rewarding little dong noise when it's done to let you know that it has successfully OCR'd this PDF. And now the text is readable, which means the text is now searchable. So when you search for something in that PDF in Safari, you're going to be able to find it as well. Also in PDF pen, uh, and we're getting ready, can you believe, to the time where we're going to have to start preparing our taxes again, uh, you can go into PDF pen and you can redact text. You can also search for specific text like a social security number or an account number, find the things that you need and redact them. And not only are they going to be gone on a surface level, like drawing a little black box over it or erasing it completely, but it's also going to be gone on the metadata level. So you're not going to be able to find instances of that text within that PDF. You're also going to be able to make edits to that PDF. You can make annotations, you can highlight, uh, you can take notes. And I've been doing this quite a bit uh, in my master's program. Our professor will send us copies of slides. I'll save them out as PDFs. Um, And then I'll save them to my iPad or I'll save them on my Mac. And uh, the PDF 
family, PDF pen family of apps all sync with each other. Um, so I can highlight them. I can take notes on them. I can add my own information. I can type directly on them. And all of that syncs across to each other. And I do all of that within PDF pen. And if you've got a document that you need to be able to edit or you need to be able to turn it into something that you can uh, create yourself, they've got an amazing export to Word function in PDF Pen. And I cannot tell you how many times that function has allowed me to save the day, to take a PDF document, convert it into Word, be able to modify it and make some changes. It is absolutely phenomenal. So you should go check out PDF Pen for the Mac. There are two versions. There's a regular version and there's a pro version that will bring you some additional features like the ability to create forms, the ability to suck down entire websites and create PDFs from them, uh, as well as the ability to create PDF bookmarks. And you're going to get free trials of both of those over at smilesoftware.com. Check them out, try them, you'll love them, and then you can go buy them. And thanks to Smile for their continued support of Mac Power users. Um, while you're doing the ad read, I was thinking about the the wallpaper on our devices. Yeah. And it looks to me like you took a picture in Alaska, maybe? Yes, I did. Yeah, yes. where is that? Yeah, that is on a glacier. My wallpaper is I am standing on a glacier in, um, in Denali National Park. I am... Um, Every time we get a new iOS update, I always find myself using some of the built-in wallpapers for a little while. And then within a couple months, it goes back to just being flat gray. I'm not sure how this happens, but mm. it happens every year. You know, I will tell you a, an odd thing that I have seen. And I have my assistant, for example, got an iPhone recently. She keeps all of her apps uh, across like five different home screens in folders on the very top row. It's the most bizarre thing I've ever seen. Yeah, that and, makes no sense. Incredible. Well, it, I asked her about it. I said, why do you do that? Because she has a picture of her dog as her wallpaper. Yeah. And she okay. wants to be able to you, see you know the what? picture. I have heard that. I have heard Yeah, and I was just like, okay. She would rather see Rover than, than be able to get to her apps quickly. Correct. That might be, yeah, I could see the trade-off. What kind yeah. of dog is it? It's a lab mix something. Well, if it's a lab, that, that may be justified. Well, I don't know. I'm about know to get it's... in trouble, aren't I? Yeah, you are. <laughs> I'm going to stop talking now. <laughs> um, okay. So anyway, that's uh, home screens. Uh, the um, So we were going to talk about some of the apps that we do not have in common. Yeah. Like oh. I noticed, and maybe just we'll go in order, but I noticed that you keep Passbook on your home screen. And I do not. And maybe that's just because I don't keep many apps within Passbook. So tell me what use you have found for Passbook. It, this is kind of a temporary one. When Apple Pay showed up, I put it in there because I was kind of fiddling with it and adjusting settings. And I just haven't taken it out yet. I, I didn't know if I was going to need it that often. Um, by the way, I, I had put, you know, I told you now, now that the whole world knows I have one credit card and one bank card, yeah. I put them both into Apple pay. And, I, yeah, I did too. And it was using them in, it was using them incorrectly. It kept wanting to use my bank card and it, there is a setting for that in the settings for Apple pay. So you can set the primary card, but I had, I had like read them in in the wrong order. So it put the wrong one in, but uh, I'm probably going to be moving that out. But when, you know, iOS eight, uh, point one shipped with Apple Pay. I put it up there, and I have not taken it out yet. So that one is probably not long for my home screen. Yeah, the only thing I have in Passbook, I I do have both my credit and my debit card, and I have my Starbucks card in Passbook. But 
Other than that, I haven't found much use to it. And unfortunately, we just don't have that many places yet that I frequent that have Apple Pay. I use Apple Pay um, several times a week now. So I'm I'm in. I like okay. it. Well, good. Yeah. Um, I have the contacts app still on my home screen. And yeah, I was, I guess I was looking I, at that scratch in my head. I guess I'm like, I, what do you need that for? I th- you know, the more I think about that, I wonder why. Because I, I admit every time I do search for contacts, I do that with Safari. So... When the next time I probably need something on my home screen, that will probably be that and, and camera. As you can see, they're both on the top row. So that yeah, camera will the, probably be the first to go. That, is that the chopping block, the top the, row for you? Yeah, the top row is on the is our apps that are on the chopping block. Now, when you said you search for contacts in Safari, I've never done that I'm, before. I'm sorry. I meant, um, I meant Spotlight. I misspoke. Okay. All Spotlight. Right, yeah. Yeah. Spotlight can do that. Uh, the phone app that's already on your home screen also has contacts in it. And there's also Siri. Show me Katie Floyd's phone number. And that works pretty good. So, yeah. All right. So that, so we've now talked about the two that we're both getting rid of. Um, you've got Google, you got Google drive on your home screen. I thought that was curious. I do. Yeah. I've always had Google drive on my home screen for my iPad and I'm keeping it now. That was one of the apps that got promoted to my home screen when I got the extra row with iOS six. I'm, I'm sorry, with the iPhone 6. And uh, I'm enjoying it. And I use it more just to check in on things. You know, we do a lot of stuff with MPU on Google Drive. And so I can check in and I can see, okay, well, uh, who, who are our sponsors coming up for this particular show? Do we have a guest scheduled for this particular show? What's the status of the outline? Has David edited the outline yet for this particular show? Do I need to go in and edit some stuff for this particular, you know, I like just, I, I don't do a lot of editing for Google Docs with this show um, or on the phone, but I like to go in and check things. And I also used Google Docs with um, my local, my local Rotary Club. I was just in charge of a big fundraiser for them. And um, I was the raffle chair for that. And I had, you know, people handing me prizes and, uh, people whose name and contact information that I needed to get and add to a spreadsheet that we kept within Google Docs. And it was just really easy because I always had my my iPhone with me to say, okay, well, hang on before you walk away, just to open up Google Docs right then and there and, and input their information into the spreadsheet. Maybe it wasn't the, the optimal way to do it, but it was the one that I had in my pocket and it worked. Yeah, I, I think it's a good app. I, I have an app, uh, a folder on my second screen called called Cloud, and I put things like Evernote and and Google Drive and stuff in there. I just I just don't see them on my home screen because I don't use them as much as you do. Um, you also had on your home screen, and this is, I guess we can have this discussion, uh, you have Instapaper and I have Pocket. Yeah. Um, I guess in summary, Instapaper looks better, and Pocket has got those great tags that work with if this then that did they ever fix that in instapaper have they added that instapaper has a few if this then that keys now but not nearly as many as pocket and and i keep going back and forth in fact i have pocket i have a pocket account and i i have pocket installed on my mac you know instapaper will have an update and get a few new features and i'll say okay well i'm game now and then pocket will have an update and get a few more features and i'll go oh maybe it's really time for me to make the switch to pocket and then instapaper will do something again a couple of things keep me with Instapaper. Um, you know, part of it is just legacy. It's been the one that I've used forever. And I know that that's not a particularly good reason to stick with something, but it's the fact that I'm comfortable with it and I've used it for so long. The other is, as you've said, it it looks good. There's always been something about the look and the feel of Instapaper that's been very comfortable with me. Maybe that's just because it's what I've always used. 
Um, and the other thing, the big new feature that Instapaper got with its last update that I, I really like is it now has a speech feature. And I'd previously used that voice stream app to do that. But now I can just one off, you know, create a playlist with an Instapaper if you're a premium member or just one off if you're not uh, an article and have Instapaper read it to me. And that's a really nice feature that that I use sometimes. Yeah. When you're driving down the road, I find I, I use that voice stream app still for that. But uh, it would be nice if they would add that to Pocket. To me, the 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 biggest reason that I got into Pocket to begin with, the reason I've stayed with it is because of those tags. Because I have tags like to flag things to become a post at Max Sparky, and it all goes through OmniFocus and takes care of it all for me. I've got flags relating to show planning for Mac Power users. I've got flags relating to research for work, and and I am um, I just use those quite often, and and I would feel really crippled without them. See, I also do. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say those things actually have become less important to me now that we've got extensions in iOS eight. Yeah, that that's true. That is true when you think about it. Um, but uh, it's so fast to apply a flag, and then when I apply the flag, like for write up for if I just say post, that's the flag P O S T. It creates a, a task in OmniFocus that says write post about, and then it inserts the title and puts the link in and does everything. So. I, I could do that with an extension, but it would take me a lot longer if I did it that way. Another thing I like is, and this is on the Mac, but um, they have an extension on Mac Safari for Pocket now, yeah, too. Yeah, that's nice. And, and Instapaper doesn't. And I guess it's, I don't think Instapaper has a native app on the Mac, so I'm not sure how they could do an extension. But um, so anyway, I, well, they, I, I don't, they could do a Safari extension, but they couldn't do a share sheet extension. I don't think that there's really a wrong decision on this stuff i think if you like instapaper then you should stick with it and if you like pocket you should stick with it and there's that's okay um but i do think you should look into these read it later services if you haven't and we didn't really talk about it much because we discussed it prior on the show but you know everybody's listened to every one of our 220 something shows um uh, so these read it later services are when you see something you like on the web you can push a button and it will kind of clean it up and save it for you in a nice readable format that you can read offline and if you're sitting in an airplane or somewhere you don't even have internet connection, you can still read it. It's it's really quite nice. Right. And and related to that, I I find myself using increasingly the uh, service in Safari. What, what does Apple call it now? The um, uh, readability. Uh, I no. I'm gosh. I'm I'm brain farting on this. Reading list. Yeah. And reading list is nice too. It's it's not as nice as in the paper or pocket, but. Like when I catch something I want to act on really quickly, I, I may just put it in reading list too. So you could almost get away with just reading list, I think, at this point. But but some of those extra features, if you're a power user, are worth worth the extra money. Right. Now, I noticed you've got an RSS reader, uh, unread in this particular case, on your home screen. Yeah. And we you've told me that you just read RSS on your iPad and not on your phone. I read RSS on the phone all the time, and and I I switched to unread shortly after it came out. Um, I was for many years a fan of Reader, and I actually wrote an article for MacWorld back uh, probably I don't know how long ago it was now, probably within the last year, about how I I liked unread, even though it was a little bit slower in terms of workflow. I just like the delight that the app brought and the app has actually got a lot better with workflow since then. So it's, I'm definitely sticking with unread. 
Yeah, I do have a reader on my phone. It's it's on a secondary screen. And I do that primarily if I'm on the go and I want to be able to add an RSS feed. But I'm I very, very seldom will read RSS feeds on my phone. I just I always do that on the iPad. You're still happy with Feed Wrangler? Uh, I am using Feedly now uh, as my back end, and I'm using Mr. Reader on the iPad and Reader on the iPhone. Dr. Drang wrote up a couple posts about why, you know, this whole shakeup with the um, RSS feed support system hasn't really turned out that great. And uh, I've got them. I've got them in pocket. I haven't read them yet. I'm not sure what his, his argument is. I I kind of like uh, Feed Wrangler. I, I know I have to pay for it every year, but it's not that much money. And it does a couple things. Like I've got certain feeds where it will filter out things like I don't really care that much about Android articles because I'm not on the platform. So like if I have one of these Firehose subscriptions, I can say delete all posts that say the word Android in them. And, you know, so I, I can actually do some kind of power trips, uh, power tricks with the um, RSS feed to kind of make it more tailored for me. So I, I'm pretty happy with it, but I, I'm looking forward to reading his articles. I have no idea what he was talking about. Well, and he also um, looked at what is the time to, to update on these. So, for example, if you create a post on Max Sparky and then it gets published and these these services suck it all down and then, oops, you found a typo and you correct that, you know, people may not necessarily get that update depending on which service they're using and, and how things have been updated and whether or not when was the last time since they refreshed and all of these other factors. Yeah, that that is an issue because I do publish typos and I do hear about it even after I fix them. Yeah. You have Authy on your home screen. I really love Authy. In fact, I switched to Authy. I, it's one of those things. It's one of those apps that I bought and I was like, mm, I don't really know that I need this. And, and then after I made the switch to the iPhone six and realized what a pain it was to um, update your two factor authentication, I said, yes, I do need this. So let me back up and tell you what problem it solves. So Authy is a third party app for managing your two factor authentication tokens. So if you've been listening to Mac Power users, you know that we recommend for pretty much as many services as we'll offer it where you've got important information like Google or Gmail, uh, I guess that would be Google, or Evernote or Dropbox um, or services that offer two-factor authentication, that it's important that you turn that on. And a lot of these uh, two-factor authentication processes they they'll allow you to sync up with previously it was the Google Authenticator app that I used to manage these authorization codes. And that was fine, but when you got a new phone or when you restored your phone, what would happen is the those codes would get out of sync when you had a new phone. So you would end up having to to go into every app individually, turn off two-factor authentication, turn back on and reset up two-factor authentication for your new phone or for your restored phone. Um, and you also couldn't do two-factor authentication on multiple devices. So I guess one problem would be if if you and your wife shared a single account that had two-factor authentication, you, you both couldn't get the authentication codes. Um, or probably more practical is that if you had two-factor authentication for your Gmail account, um, you couldn't share that authentication code with both your iPhone and your iPad if you were doing it through the app. Obviously, if you did it through a text message or something, that now may be possible by because of text messages can get relayed. And so what Authy is, is it's a third-party app that will manage those tokens, um, but it will also sync that token information 
securely so that when you um, get a new device, you can reset it back up with Authy and all of those codes stay in sync. Um, it's It takes advantage of Touch ID, um, so you can secure those codes a, a little bit better with Touch ID. Uh, it's just, it's a really nice app. I am. Um... I've heard you talk about it. I've heard several people. I, I, I bought it. I have it now. Um, I have not set it up yet. I want to kind of study it a little more because it feels to me like one of those things where if they're going to sync something that important, I want to really understand how it all works. Yeah, Federico says it's okay, so that was good enough for me. Okay. <laughs> um, you've got um, your uh, reminders your Apple reminders on your home screen. Yeah, I, I have those on the home screen of my iPhone. I don't keep them on the, the home screen of my iPad. And that's because I keep certain lists and reminders. You know, OmniFocus is where I manage most of my heavy-duty task management. And we've talked about this before, so I won't get into a lot of detail. But but certain one-off lists, like shopping lists, I keep in reminders. And so when I was in the grocery store right before we started recording this episode, I wanted to be able to quickly open my reminders app and start checking off the things that I needed as we went down the aisle. Um, this time of year, the other thing I've done is, as I know what I'm buying people for Christmas, I, I now have a Christmas reminders list. And I've got their names next to certain items, and I'm going to go checking those off as I pick them up. Yeah, I think it makes sense. In fact, when I remove um, Passbook, I may end up putting reminders up there. It's the same thing. I have books for the library and stuff for the hardware store and all that in there. Yeah. Um, you, we talked about your, your music row. You, you also seem to have a, another row, if, if I can guess your theme to this row. Uh, it appears to be a writing slash productivity row. Why, yes, Katie Floyd, I do have a productivity row. Is that is that what it's called, your productivity <laughs> yeah. row? In my mind, it is. Okay. <laughs> so I've got, um starts off with MindNote, and um, I've talked about mind mappers in the past in the show. In fact, uh, I guess we, we're recording out of order. So and next week's show, we're going to hear from somebody about how much they like iThoughts, and I like iThoughts a lot too, but I've really settled on MindNote because the simplicity and ease of use and just the clean interface to me are make it a winner for the stuff I do. I don't need it. I don't need it quite as advanced as I thoughts. Although now I thoughts has got some really cool stuff they're doing with Brett Terpstra. But anyway, um, uh, I, my note I'm really happy with. And my point is I'm in and out of mind mappers constantly on all of my devices, particularly the iPad, but also sometimes on the iPhone, because if I'm, sitting and eating lunch or think of something I want to add to a project I'm planning in my note, I want to be able to get it in very quickly. So that's, that's on the home screen and used often. Um, I'm still, as I struggle with, you know, managing these little text files, I'm trying out a system right now called write R I T E and uh, W R I T E. I'm sorry, W R I T. Yeah. Uh, But I'm not going to go into that link. We talked about that in a recent show. I still really like byword to write simple stuff. And I've worked, I've that slot has kind of rotated between editorial and byword many times. And right now I'm kind of on a byword kick, but uh, the thing about editorial is really powerful, but I, I found that I wasn't using those workflows that it has as often as you would, I need, because the main thing I'm doing when I'm on my phone or my iPad is just getting words in. I'm not doing formatting. You know, I'm not like necessarily blogging or submitting legal briefs straight from these applications. I just want a place I can get words in and see them easily. So Byword is really great at that. And they just did a recent update that does handoff, which is kind of nice. Um, and then Solver is well, S-O-U-L-V. 
Let me get it right. S O U L V E R. Yes. So I call it solver or silver. To me, it's kind of like um, drafts for a calculator. It allows you to kind of put words and numbers down and it does calculations for you. It syncs through iCloud and it's kind of a scratch pad. I also use a calculator pcalc and I've got them on my notification widget so I can get to that very quickly if I want like a traditional calculator just to add a couple numbers. But if I'm kind of like thinking something through solver is kind of halfway between a calculator and a spreadsheet and it's it's quite useful if you um if you want to take a look at it. So that's the productivity row for me. I I feel I feel inadequate now. I feel like I need to organize mine better as opposed to just frequency of use. Yeah, see, I think that your your system almost makes more sense because, hey, you know, where is it? And I get to it soon. And and my system seems something more like you what you would do, <laughs> I mean, frankly, because uh, you're so organized on everything. I, yeah, but hectic. see, yeah, but, I, I'm, I'm going to organize. I have to wait until we finish recording this episode, obviously, because I can't reorganize them now, mid-episode. But once I'm done with the show notes for this episode... Yeah. Immediately, immediately after, you? I'm going to start reorganizing these because uh, we're going to put these uh, these screenshots, by the way, of our our home screens on probably the Mac Power Users website. And yeah, I don't know that I want to put the screenshot of mine now. I think you have to. We've been <laughs> talking about it for an hour. Okay. We well, can do before and after. Maybe, maybe I'll put the after before and after after I after I reorganize yeah. a little bit. Um, so a couple other fun things that I have in mind. Uh, delivery status is. Um, it's by June Cloud, and, and we've talked about it quite a bit. It's another one that got uh, promoted to my home screen when I got the extra row of home screen icons. And it's one that I especially use this time of year because I do almost all of my holiday shopping online, and it allows me to keep track of what I've got coming and, and when. It's probably not as big of a deal now because I just have most of my packages delivered to the office, and when they show up, they show up. And But it's really nice. They just got a new app for um, the Mac that will go into Notification Center on the Mac. So you can keep all of those things synced up, and it's just nice to to support them. Yeah, I um, I use the app. I don't keep it on the home screen. And and frankly, I don't use it that often. Like when I'm ordering, you know, a book from Amazon, I don't care. But if I order like a new computer or something of significance, then I'll, I'll fire up deliveries, and maybe it'll temporarily find itself on my home screen. Is it here yet? Like, Is it here yet? Is it here yet? Yeah. Do you have like rotational spots on your home screen things that kind of come and go? Um, sometimes, yeah, I do. More so on on screen too. But yeah, if I'm if I'm trying something out, one of those top slots in that home screen is prime spot for where it may go. Or like if I'm going on a trip or something, I may replace a bunch of apps on my home screen that are trip related. Yeah. Uh, Evernote for me is obviously one that I keep on my home screen quite a bit. Although I will tell you that I don't open Evernote as often from my home screen now because of their Today View widget. Uh, Evernote has a really nice Today View widget where you can start a new text note, a new um, a camera note, a new photo note, a new reminder, or create a new list uh, within the Today View. And so I'm using that quite a bit. But as as many things as I keep in Evernote, uh, it, it has to stay on my home screen. I use it for everything. Yeah. And like I was surprised when you were talking about managing your your charity drive that you didn't do all that in Evernote. I would have except that I was doing it with other people and so I had to coordinate with them. Yeah. If it was just me, I would have done it all in Evernote, but uh because I was coordinating and and having other people collaborate and had to organize things, that's why we did it in Google Docs. 
Do we have anything else that uh, that isn't on each other's screens? Let's see here. Um, I keep paper, which is the alternative Facebook app on my home screen. Honestly, I'm not really sure why. That's probably one that's that's ripe for the cutting block. I, I hardly ever post on Facebook anymore, so it's it's one that's ripe to go. You have an app called Zulti's Mobile, and it's driving me crazy. What is that? Yeah, that's that's one that's not going to be interesting to anybody. That's that's the uh, phone system that we use in the office. Okay. And so it allows me to um, to check my voicemail for our office phone system, and then also create outgoing calls as though I'm in the office. So it it only I've, is helpful to you if you happen to have that specific phone system. I've got the workflow app on mine, which is still in beta, but it's been approved now. So it just took them longer to get it approved than I expected. I feel bad because we talked about this on the show with Federico like a month ago. And it's I know still someone awesome. kept trying to move you off that saying, guys, guys, this is not even out yet. Yeah, I know. I, I thought, well, at the time we were, under the impression it would be coming out almost before the show, but it got delayed. But the, um, that app just to tease you some more, it's really awesome. I have a workflow now when I take a screenshot. In fact, the workflow app is one of the reasons why launch center pro has come back because you can save workflows to launch center pro buttons, but I've got one where it takes a screenshot. Any, I can, I can activate a workflow and it'll take the last three screenshots I took and airdrop them to my Mac with one button. That's pretty cool. You know, we yeah. never, we never talked about launch center pro and it's in your doc. Yeah. And I, I have gone on again and off again with launch center pro and right now I'm off again. So tell me, tell me how you're using launch center pro. Well, right now. It, it workflow. I've got a bunch of my workflow things built in as buttons. So I just open that app, press the button and I go and a couple other things where, where drafts is the place to automate text uh, Launch Center Pro is kind of a place to automate buttons. So I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm probably not the right person to make the pitch for Launch Center Pro because I'm not a super power user of it, but well, I'm, I'm playing with it. I, I'm not sure if it's going to last there either, to tell you the truth. <laughs> so yeah. I guess we'll see. Where Launch Center Pro has not stuck for me, um, I have used Contact Center which is an app made by the same folks, which is related. And it's, it's kind of, it's Launch Center Pro, but for contacts. And that has actually, at one point it replaced the phone icon on my dock, but then I was like, you know what, I just don't make enough calls to, to make this worthwhile for me. And so yeah. what Contact Center does is it allows me tiles that I can use. Uh, one is call a number, one is search my address book and call. Um, and then I have tiles, which are, I use photos for this, but my my most frequently called people, David, you actually have there's a little tile with a picture of you on there. And so if I if I press the David tile, then it gives me options to message you. It gives me options to email you. It gives me options to call you. Um, and then I also have a few pre-recorded text snippets. Um, you may be able to figure out what those are, uh, but things that I frequently text you um, where I can text you a specific text snippet and and send those to you. Well, I think that covers it. You want to talk about um, second screens real quick? Well, I think that covers it, except for the last app on my home screen that we haven't talked about. What did I miss? Well, you missed um, the last app, which happens to segue nicely into our, our sponsor for this episode, because my last oh, app, yes. <laughs> yes, I, I, I was saving it for a reason, David. My, my last app is PDF Pen Scan Plus. Can you tell me a little bit about it? 
Yeah, I can. And, and once again, Smile is exclusively sponsoring this show. And PDF Pen Scan Plus is a little app that solves a big problem. Um, when we're out and about with our phones, we've got these fantastic cameras in it, and we have documents we want to capture with scanning. And there's plenty of apps out there that you can take a picture of a document and it'll save it as a PDF. But PDF Pen Scan Plus has that plus for a reason. Not only does it convert a image to a PDF, it also conducts the optical character recognition right on the phone. So it's one touch scanning directly from your iPhone or iPad camera. And then you can scan multiple images into a single document and then it can apply the optical character recognition. It's very easy to do. The application also detects the page edges, so it automatically crops them and gets the scans uh, straight out. And then it converts it to a searchable PDF. And the reason why that's so important is because you can be on your iPad or your iPhone, have that saved as PDF, and then open it up in your PDF application of choice, including PDF Pen, and it, all the text is already selected. So you can use your highlighter to uh, select text. You can delete it, you can change text, you can do whatever your PDF application allow you to do. It also automatically will upload the scans directly to Dropbox or iCloud and share them across to your um, to your network. Um, uh, with PDF Pin Scan Plus version 1.5, they've got a better camera layout. The image stabilization is much better, so you get really clean shots. And now it supports iCloud Drive, which is great. So you've got that great folder you can put up there, use your custom folders, and you've got all of it right there in PDF Pin Scan Plus. So you can go check it out uh, in the App Store, and you can also go to their website at smilesoftware.com, and you can see a little video I made of it. And it's just a great application. I use it all the time as well, Katie. And whenever you're somewhere and you have a piece of paper, whether it's a receipt for lunch or a eight and a half by 11 full sheet of information from your kid's school or whatever, using PDF Pin Scan Plus, you can capture it, you can save it to OCR, and you're good to go. I did that at back to school night this year when the teachers were handing out the little sheets with all the information on them and you know how to reach them. I just took out my phone right at the desk took a picture of it with PDF pin scan plus I OCR'd it and I gave him the sheet back and we saved a piece of paper. I'm and sure, I'm sure they appreciated that. Here you go. I don't want this. Yeah. The teachers were thinking, well, I, I they might've thought I was a weirdo, but you know, no, no hey. chance of that, but it worked and it was great. And now when I want to, uh, call my daughter's math teacher, I can just search his name in spotlight and I get right to it. So it's really good. So go check it out. PDF pin scan plus, and thank you smile for exclusively sponsoring this show. No, if we had planned that a little bit better and given a little more thought, you could have done the PDF pen for max spot and I could have done scan plus since it is on my home screen after all. Yeah, it is. Oh, I wow. do. We are professional podcasters. We'll get better yeah. at this. Well, in the, and the reason I don't keep those apps, see that those apps would be on my home screen on my iPad more than they would be on my phone. And and Scan Plus, I don't um, do it every day. And I look at the stuff on my home screen as stuff I do every day. So on, on the, our second screen, I thought it was interesting. We both had a similar philosophy where you've just got a set of folders with everything in it. Yeah, primarily. I've got a set of folders on my second screen, and then I have a few loose apps, which are primarily new apps. So those are apps that I've just downloaded and that I'm trying out. Yeah, I do too. The same thing. It's like the um, it's like the trial area. It's If I've downloaded something I have in a time, like right now I've got Authy in there and I've got Paprika. Um, so I'm, I'm trying those two apps and we'll see if they make the cut. And if they do, 
they may end up on the home screen, but more likely will go into one of the folders, and those folders are organized alphabetically. Oh. Hmm. My folders are kind of, again, organized by use, but I will consider rearranging them. Yeah, I mean, what's going on, Katie? <laughs> um, my folders, I'll, I'll just run through them. I have news, shopping, productivity, finance, entertainment, photography, social, tools, reference, local, travel, health, and Apple. I have a similar set, but, you know, you don't need to hear them all. Um, oh, I, we both have a folder on our home screen. Going back, I realized we missed one. We did. And uh, I think it's motivated for the same reason. We both have got into all this home automation stuff. And so I've got one called remotes and you've got one called automation and all your various, you know, Wemo and Hue and various applications are, are stored in there. Yeah, that's true. And that was because I, I wanted access to those things on the home screen, but I didn't want to have, you know, six or seven different apps on the home screen. It's yep. the only folder on the home screen. Let's uh, move over to the notification center widgets. That's a new thing. It is. And I'll tell you, notification center widgets have actually caused me to remove certain things from my home screen. And and as they continue to grow in popularity, like as we were talking and prepping for the show, David, I realized that the delivery status uh, uh, app that I was talking about now has a widget. And so, you know, now maybe I don't need deliveries on my front page. Maybe I can just keep it as a, I'm going to call them widgets. They're probably not widgets, are they? They're, I think they're called notification notification center um, extensions. I I I, I kind of feel like they should change the name of the today view because not much of this is about today anymore. No, it's not. I think they should call them widgets. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So you're right. I mean, there are certain widgets that are powerful enough that you just don't need the application on your home screen anymore. I find Evernote is one of those. Um, for a while, I use the Evernote widget. Um, I don't use it as much as you do probably, but I, mm-hmm. it's worthwhile to keep there. I also use the drafts widget, I guess, kind of in the same vein. And I think he's done a good job with that. So you can open it, you can add a clipboard and it shows you the unprocessed drafts right there. Right. And there's a little All button. Line. Yeah. There's a little button yeah. that you can create a new draft quickly too. If you didn't want to keep drafts on your Docker and your home screen, like we have. Yeah. Yeah. Although I will tell you, uh, to me, it's a constant battle in the today view to keep that useful, but to also keep is all the cool things that I want in there. Because you you run into this catch-22 of there's so many useful things that I could put in there, but the more I put in there, the the less useful it becomes because now i got to start scrolling and searching for things. I try to make it so it fits in two screens. So when I open it, I've got, you know, one set of data. And if I just flip it down to the bottom, I've got another set. And that's the trick is having it where there isn't anything in the middle that gets missed when you do it that way. That's probably a good philosophy. I'm I'm probably a little bit over that because, you know, I do keep the Fantastical month ca- uh, calendar in there. And that, that takes up a big chunk. One, one of the... Um, the today view widgets that I really like is the hue. Cause I have all these hue light bulbs. Um, they've got a widget that allows you to drop in light recipes. You can do up to five of them on your phone. And this is really helpful because we've got a set of hue light bulbs in the bedroom and in the kitchen. And so I can just open up today view and I can select the Cause between five recipes, I'm good. You know, I've got what I need. Uh, so I can turn the lights on and, and fiddle with them right from the notification center. I think that's a, that's a very useful one. Uh, we both use the forecast 
um, dark applications. sky. Yeah. Yeah. That's yes. great. Although I don't really need it that much. I live in Southern California. It never rains here. Um, but it, I like that. It just gives you a little bit of information. It doesn't take up a lot of space. Yeah. Uh, another one that I use quite a bit is one called Data Man. And this is an app that we've talked about uh, that will keep track of your um, your cellular data activity. And it no, you have to give it information about um, what type of data plan you're on and, and when your monthly data uh, recycles or, or cycles over for the month. And it will tell you um, how much data you've used for the month, what percentage that is of your overall plan and how much you have left. And you can also tell it to color code or not based on, in fact, Dark Sky just said it would rain. I don't know if you just heard that thunder there. Um, it turns out it was right. But Data Man will also um, color code. And so if you start getting into the, the yellow and the red zone, you'll you'll start getting this bright yellow and bright red stripe in your notification center that kind of gives you a warning of got to start being careful. You're, you're about to run over your data limit. Have I talked about my recent data doubling on the show? I have heard other people talk about it. I don't think you have. They have so we have... Um, there's four people in our house and, and I'm the, by far the biggest data hog in our family. Right. I mean, I'm like, I, I've even uploaded, you know, gigabyte size files to iBooks over my cell phone because I was at work and there was a problem and blah, blah, blah. So it, it's, um, I, I recognize I'm the big data hog. So we were finding ourselves using every month, 15 gigabytes of data. And, you know, I know everybody out there is rolling their eyes, but we just use a lot of data in our family. And, um, the, um, and we were routinely like getting close to going over that. And then I got this email from AT&T saying it was in October. If you come in, we can double your data. And I'm thinking there's got to be some kind of like hook to this. So I actually went in the store and they're saying, no, I said, look, do I have to sign a new contract? Or they're like, no, we're just doubling it, but you can't change your plan afterwards. So for the same price I was paying for 15, I now get 30, which is completely wow. nuts. Yeah, exactly. And, um, and the trick was I didn't tell anybody in my family about this because I want them all concerned that they're going to run out of data at any moment. And so you're going to keep it all for yourself. Well, I'm just not going to say anything, but then I blew it because a, a friend of mine came over and he was asking about, it. I was telling him how I had doubled the data. And then I looked at my daughter, my oldest daughter was in the kitchen and she was just sitting there listening to every word. And I'm like, oh man, I'm so screwed now. <laughs> So I have a lot of data now, so I don't need data, man, I guess is the moral of the story. <laughs> you might now, because they know. Yeah. Well, I told her, if we go over, you're paying for it. Yeah. Um, Verizon just, uh, I think I have inadvertently doubled my data as well. Uh, Verizon had a, I had a one, one gigabyte plan, and then all of a sudden it changed to a two gigabyte plan, because they just jumped everybody up. And then all of a sudden it changed to a four gigabyte plan, and I, I did not do anything. I'm not paying anymore, so, oh well, I'm, I'm happy to have it. Yeah, I was routinely burning through like seven on my own, but I've got my iPad on it as well. And I don't use when I'm at, I'm at court quite often and I don't use the Wi-Fi there. I don't for a variety of reasons. I don't use the Wi-Fi there. And so I always tether when I'm at court as well. So I just go through a lot of data. Um, uh, we both have pCalc in our notification center. One thing you can do with pCalc if you're concerned with the amount of space it takes is there's a little, um, like a rotation arrow, disclosure triangle, I guess they call it, on the left side. You can tap that to um, to shrink it up. One of the notification center widgets I have that Katie didn't have that I kind of like, and I'm not sure where I heard about this one. It might have been from Federico, but I'm not sure. But it's called ETA, and it's an application yeah. 
that allows you to put in um, common destinations and it tells you in your notifications there how far you are away from that place. So, and the re- the the use case for this for me is um, uh, quite often I go up to Los Angeles or somewhere else in California with my car and and I need to get back and I'm not exactly sure how I do that because I don't know the area that well. And ETA, I can just go to Notification Center and I can tap Office or Home, and it'll give me directions from wherever I'm at. And it's one one tap. I don't have to do anything else. Uh, I realize with Siri, I could say Get Directions Home, and I do that as well sometimes. But either way, I like this app. The other use for it is my daughter. My youngest daughter is going to the uh, School of the Arts in Orange County here, which is um, a place I don't go that often. And sometimes in a jam, they need me to pick her up and I can very quickly get directions to there from wherever I'm at. Uh, Another app that I've got in Notification Center, and I'm not sure how long it's going to stay there, but I'm playing with it for now, is Time Zones. And sometimes, especially when we're recording with folks who, I mean, you and I are, are, I finally figured that out, we're three hours apart and that doesn't change. So that's pretty easy. But when we add a guest, sometimes we're also adding another time zone and I've got to figure out, okay, well, where are they and what time is it going to be when they're recording? And so sometimes I can just pop open that notification center uh, today view and be able to see, okay, well, what time is it right now? in London? What time is it right now uh, in Italy? What time is it right now in, and I've got a few cities pre-programmed in there. Um, The app itself will do some more powerful things. Like I used it when we were um, trying to schedule the David Allen show to figure out, okay, on this particular day, what time will it be in Amsterdam at, you know, 8 a.m. Eastern time Um, and figure that out. And so it's a nice app. Yeah. And, you know, we are not going to get into iPads at all today because we're just out of time. But the um, one of the one of the notification center widgets I use on the iPad, but I don't use on the iPhone. And actually, in hindsight, I'm not even sure why I'll talk about it because they banned it. (laughs) There was an app called Launcher that allows you to launch applications and contacts from the notification center. But Apple decided that that was not not kosher. All right. Well, you were so worried that we wouldn't have enough to talk about this episode. I didn't even mention two more. Oh, and go these for are, it. These are kind of utility apps. Uh, one is Clips. I did an extended review on it at Max Sparky. I love it. It's a um, it's an application. Uh, so do you ever run into the problem on your iPhone or your iPad where you want to copy text from two or three different sources and use it in one document? Mm-hmm. Um, you, could, that, you can run into that problem if you're writing for the web or even if you're just writing a document in Byword or Editorial. And Clips allows you, it's a, it's a big clipboard. So you can clip a bunch of stuff and they've got a widget. So you can just go to notification center and just tap the clippings you've clipped and it'll paste them in. I think that's really useful. And then there's one called paste plus, which takes your, um, your clipping and it will paste it to an email or to reading list or to Instapaper or pocket, or you know, it does a whole bunch of different utility type stuff. And I think those apps are, are really kind of interesting. And it's an interesting direction for me with notification center stuff that I never thought we would see. Yeah. All right. Have we wrapped up the home screens? For now. For now. I mean, Maybe. yours is going to be new and improved in like 10 minutes, it right? It could be. It could be after I get the show notes done. And, you know, yeah. we, didn't even, we didn't even really talk about extensions or, or any of that stuff either. Yeah, we didn't. Ugh. Well, that just means we can talk about our iPads sometime next year. There you go. 
right. there you go. Although, well, I, you know, just briefly, my iPad isn't that much different. I rely on a lot of the same apps. Yeah. And I'll tell you my iPad, one of the things that you thought was interesting about my iPad is I have one screen on my iPad. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't have multiple screens on my iPad. Um, and that, that's a little, uh, maybe a little more normally organized for you. I have one row of one row of folders and then everything else is single icons. Why don't you do a, a home screen post for me on your iPad at Max Berkey? All right. We'll see that. We'll see about that. Maybe it can come out about the same time the show does. Yeah. That How's that for planning? All right. I'll take it. Sounds like a plan. Well, we'll have a links to all of these apps uh, in our show notes, and you can find those on our website at MacPowerUsers.com or at 5x5.tv slash MPU. Uh, yeah. You can also find us on Twitter. The show is at MacPowerUsers. I'm at Katie Floyd, and David is at Max Barkey. You can send us feedback to feedback at MacPowerUsers.com. And thanks to our sponsor, Smile. And, and next week, we know this because it's already in the can, we're going to have Skip from NASA on the show. And he's going to talk about how he's using this Mac and iOS stuff to get work done. And it's actually going to be a really great episode. And, so. and to put stuff on Mars. Yeah. Yeah. He's putting stuff on Mars with his iPad. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's going to be great. So we'll see you all next week. Bye-bye.